It's time to talk some blues hockey. Welcome to the Blues NHL podcast, hosted by former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and former Blues enforcer Darren Kimball. And we got a problem in front of the hog bench. Kimball pulling at Ronick. Here's Kimball swinging at Ronick wildly, and the linesman trying to get in between them. Look at Raddick. He's dropped the gloves with Rivers. The referee or the linesman should yeah. jump in here. You can't let a guy like Rivers continue to throw punches. Federico stolen from Reinhardt. Breaking in. The Hunter. Hunter shooting. Rebound. Recognizer scores! Here comes Shovel Day. He'll be thrown out of the game. Curtis Joseph grabs Shovel Day. And the two goalies go at it. Head to head. And Joseph with three great rights. New Terjana Hall looking for 500. He shoots. He scores! Brad Hall, number 500. Tarasenko in the clear. He scores. And now, here's your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Hello, Blues fans. Welcome to the Monday morning edition of your Blues NHL podcast. I'm your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Let's welcome in... The real official of the hour, Mr. Jamie Rivers. What's going on, buddy? Well, not much. It's just you and me today. I mean, uh, no hints. Well, I feel bad because obviously we've been talking about how much I miss Kimby. And and yeah, I miss my Whoopi. All right. uh, My uh, furry uh. little Whoopi. I miss him. Oh, yeah. Um, But then Henson is a no show, no text, no call. Nothing. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I can handle late. I can handle busy got work and it, he guys in a play, guys in a playoff run here right yeah i get it but I, but no call no show that's grounds for dismissal well no call no show no text no I, I, no email I'm telling you even in the union you're out like like i said well, a couple of shows ago i said give me half a day i can find vladislav trechak in russia and i can't find fucking gary henson here on monday morning well you know, well, that guy can get his fuck. He, you know what? He can go back down and work on his game in the minors. Uh oh. And then we'll get him back up here. Maybe, maybe. You think? You know, maybe he didn't want to discuss the bump in the road that we've had. Listen, that everybody's no, freaking no, no. Out Listen, about. the problem no, is, you're is that I'm going to give him he, a pass. He, okay. Well, I'm not giving him a pass ever. All but right. he looks at his phone so fucking much too, right? So you know he's sewered himself because we can't keep his nose off the goddamn screen when he's in here. So you know there's no way he didn't see our text messages or phone co- No way. No chance. That's why he gets no pass. No, no pass. No quarter. No, Because he's nothing. on the phone all the time. He can't say I didn't see the message. He, there's no way. That would be a blatant lie. It had to be. That. Wow. Unless somebody stole his phone. Then I could see, if someone took his phone, I could see that he's probably lost in the middle of nowhere right now. Has no idea what to fucking do because he doesn't have his phone. His whole world would end if somebody stole his phone. What would he do to himself? Seriously. I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. He'd have to pick up. Listen, we would all be like, oh, shit. Don't, no, he no, would no, be no, crushed. No. Yeah, I was going to say, don't start bringing us into it here. <laughs> this guy's on that thing all the time, so... Hence, if you're out there somewhere right now, let know us know you're, you're okay. Let us know you're okay, and then obviously we know you're full of shit for not answering us. So, anyways, yeah, uh, moving along, moving along. Um, you know, let's just get right into this bump in the road. Let's go. Let's get I on mean, it. we went right from this is the team we thought we'd be to now. Oh yeah, you know, now what? And it's like, wait a minute, I. We're t- why? Let me ask you a question. Why does there always have to be? Somebody at fault or an excuse or something like this. Uh, don't all teams go through, I mean, a game or two where they just don't play well? Well, yeah. Uh, but here's the problem, right, is 
because the beginning of the season was so bad that when it got so good, now people have been spoiled, right? So that here's the thing is they're caught, they're kind of caught here in the middle of, of be, their feelings. One is they were so miserable at the start. Then they got way too happy during the, the big run that they had. And now they're in a spot where they're not able to just be like kind of status quo. You know, let's just run. Now they're like got to go back to either miserable or, you know, ecstatic. They don't have a middle ground, which is, which is unfortunate because, yeah, we talked about it. There's going to be bumps in the road, guys. Carolina is a damn good hockey team that's playing well. Whether we talk about their storm surge or not and all that bullshit, yeah. they're still a, a really good hockey team. And the Dallas Stars, they're a great hockey team. You know, they've had some bumps in the road this year, but if you look at their team as a whole and you look at their number one guy, you know, in Carolina game, I'm willing to, you know, we can revisit that in a second, but the Dallas Stars have a guy that we cannot solve. We've talked about him. He's been the topic of discussion several times in this booth with us and several times with people in hallways, at water coolers, at the bar, everywhere. Jamie Benn. This guy's a blues killer. He really is. And, yes, we always talk about him sitting on top of Alex <laughs> Petrangelo. Okay, I get it. Let's take that one incident and move it out of the way. He's got five goals in the last two games against the Blues. Well, first, he's a really good player, regardless of who he plays against. I love the guy. We Yes. and I, we Sorry, Blues fans. Yeah, I love I the guy. Too. He falls in the category for me, and, and I want to back up a little bit. We had a little fun back and forth with a, with a, a gentleman um, about PK Subban, and it just goes to show that sometimes you need to listen to the show and not react to titles sometimes because this gentleman took issue, and he is from oh, Nashville, yeah, took right. issue with us calling out, uh, asking if he's a punk. Now, the correct answer is, is he a punk? I don't know. I know what he is. On <laughs> he the is ice, on ice. On the ice, he is. Off the ice, he's a tremendous guy. Why he's a punk? I, maybe that's just how he how he does it. I don't know. I don't even care. It was just a, but it's also a thing where there's a lot of guys that, that chime back at us and said, you know what, we'd probably like him in a blues uniform. We might. I can tell you one guy that I'd like in a blues uniform, and and people want to hate him is Jamie Ben. Yeah, the guy can play. He's big. He can play any style you want to play. I would love that guy in a blues uniform. I'm sorry to the people that want to hate him, and I understand why you want to hate him. There's nothing there to hate other than a guy that basically, as you said, owns us. Yeah, and I mean, I think it was, I think it was our buddy Hentz there. We'll call him MIA, M-I-A. right now. MIA said M-I-A. that, you know, oh, I hate that guy. You know, no, I wouldn't want him in a blues. Oh. That's just emotion talking. Yeah. That's not his brain because yeah. Jamie Ben, you know, he's the he's a total package. He is. He's a big guy. He plays big. He hits. He's tough as fucking nails. He's a good leader. He scores goals. Uh, look, it, uh, I hate the guy because he's on the Dallas Stars. I'd love to have him in a Blues uniform. But the biggest issue I have right now is what are we going to do to solve him? Because that team's getting better. Sure. And they're gaining ground on... And he's not the only player on that team either. No, That's he's not. Thing. But, you know, with a fi- with five goals in two games against the Blues, he's got to be the number one focus sure. right now when we play that yeah. team. Uh, obviously, they got Tyler Sagan. Yeah. They've got some... You know, John Klingberg, they got Bishop in that. They've got some great pieces there that are really good players. But he's the guy. And the cherry on top or or the big thing is still that image of him sitting on top of Petro 
And now he's going out and he's a Blues killer on the scoreboard. So you look at it and you're like, if you're a Blues fan, yeah, you fucking hate this guy. Yeah. But what do we do to fix it? How do we solve it? Uh, I mean, I've got some ideas, but what are your ideas? Um, see if you can't um, see if you can't uh, get a cabbie to take him to the wrong rink. <laughs> Find him in an Uber talking shit about his coach, maybe. Yeah, I, that's 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 my thing. You know, I, listen, you're gonna have to take. I, I assume where you'll go with this is there's got to be somebody in that locker room that says he's not going to beat us tonight, and. Uh, I'm sure the coaches are aware. You know, you don't have to tell Craig Berube, hey, look, um, you might want to do something with this guy. I, well, yeah, you're right. The you obvious know, is yeah. that they already know yeah. this guy's I, crushing it right now. And, and you know, somebody in somebody has to make a play. You know, sometimes against guys like that, too, your netminder can make a di- I, I don't – guys are great players for a reason. They make great plays. They rise to the occasion. You talk about him being a leader. How many guys in sports right now I can start – and this is every sport, I can make a list longer than my arm of guys that get called out by their quarterback, by their catcher, by their GM, by their captain in hockey, and then they go and sulk about it and they whine to the press about it. And then they do. This guy got called out by the owner yeah. or, the, or the, president the president or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. And, and then the GM back to it, all the way down the line. And all he's done is play better. Yeah, which, by the way, I'll say it again. I thought that move was bullshit by the president because what is the player's actual rebuttal to that? What's he going to say, right? Like, you put a guy in a real bad spot. Now, however, like you mentioned, it was Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, and those these two guys have responded. They've been their two best players. They were anyways. That's the funny thing is they were still 1-2 in scoring when the president called them out, and now all they've done is continue – to be one-two in scoring on the Dallas Stars team, and you know they're difference makers. And obviously, Jamie Ben was a difference maker the other night. The Blues lost by three goals, and he scored three goals. So, you know, if you take him out of the game, it's a one-one tie. Um, but you got to play this guy tougher. Like he, I think he has it way too easy out there. You know, he he's a big guy who does go to the net, but it's amazing to me that he finds all these soft areas out there on the ice where he's, you know, got no coverage or he's left alone or he sneaks in back door. How do you let a guy, I shouldn't say how do you, I know how it happens. That's a stupid question for me to say. He's a great player. That's why he gets those opportunities because he recognizes how to go there and how to be there. But your mission that night, if you're on the ice against him, and I say it all the time, you have to take inventory of who's on the ice against you. And if Jamie Benn is on the ice opposite me, even if I'm not supposed to be out there against him in the original game plan, if he gets on the ice, I know at that point I have to make this guy – I want to make his life miserable, first of all. Second of all, I have to know where he is at all times. Well, I, to me, I, he's a different player. Like, I, You look at some of the players around the league that might be killers, so to speak, and you think, okay, I can play this guy this way. I can do this. Like, like take, for instance, Patrick Kane. I'm assuming that the majority of people out there that would say, okay, we got to shut Patrick. How do you shut Patrick Kane now? Well, we're going to get real physical with him, right? You could say that about so many guys, right? Yep. You can't do that to Jamie Benn. Well, you can, though. Well, I mean, you No, you, but you can. Well, I know, what you're, I know where you're going. Well, you don't, yeah. I think so because you're I, – I, well, I know what you're – if I was 
okay, let me go where you're going. Okay, let's go. Let's hear you it. You could just physical him up and try to get him off his game and say, let's let's rough it up a little bit. Let's see if we can't take a couple frustration penalties. Let's do come. I, I understand it, but my my but point that's is not all. I'm so keep going. But, uh, but he can play that way if you want to play that way. Is my point too, and that's where earlier I said the thing about the Dallas Stars also is he isn't the only player on that team. So that's why I think he's a great player. I like him, and I know he gets a lot of rash of shit here. But I would say probably in Blues fans' eyes, I think he's an underrated player. Okay, so where I'm going to go with this, um, and, and to conclude the, you know, the blowing of Jamie Benn here on a Blues show, is you have to not just make this guy's life miserable, right? When you're out there against him, you stick him, you whack him, you shove him, you face wash him. And you, you know what? Yeah, you run the risk of this guy dropping the gloves and beating the piss out of you. But guess what? If he does that, he's not scoring goals. And that was always my frame of mind. If I can get this guy to try sure. and kill me, that means he's not putting goals in my net. And then if he won't respond to my bullshit, well, guess what? He plays with Tyler Sagan on the same line. So guess who's going to face the wrath then? I'm going over, and I'm going to two-hand Sagan behind the knee. I'm going to jab him in the nuts. I'm going to face wash him. And then Jamie Benn's going to be forced to come in there because Tyler Sagan's not going to deal with me. Yeah, no. I... Right? So nope. Jamie Benn's going to – so now you're pulling him out of – the dangerous part of the game, which is him putting three goals in your net. Yes, physically more dangerous to have him engage me physically and come after me. But once again, if I have him and Tyler Sagan and multiple other players out there trying to seek retribution on me, then they're not focused on beating me on the scoreboard. And that's where I'm not seeing it is, yes, he's a dangerous guy. He's big and tough and all this stuff. And yes, you may eat five or six fucking punches in the mouth from this guy if you fight him. But if he's in the box for five minutes, guess what he cannot do for five minutes? He can't score. No, he can, can't do that. Right? No. So that's where I'm headed with it. And I, like I said, I don't want to blow him too long on here. I'm sick of fucking talking positive about him. But he's something we have to address in the future. Yeah. I, you know what we would need against him, don't you? What's that? We'd need a pest. We would. We, that would be our new segment. Somebody that could handle him. So that would be our new thing. We're looking for pests, right? So Buckingham Pest Control. We know you guys heard from Noel. We brought him on, on the show. Big Blues fan has decided to come on board, be a part of our show. We're excited about having him. And we got some cool things planned with him for sure. There may be some ticket giveaways, things like that. We're going to be working that out with him. But I think what's cool about this is it ties right into what we're talking about today, and that is, you know, who would that guy be? So, for instance, if the Blues – uh, would have had better luck against him. Chances are, it may have been a guy like it could have been Barbie, it could have been uh, it could have been McEachern. But it uh, has to be somebody that he's going to take seriously. Yeah, I, I mean, like, like McEachern. I love the kid. He works hard. I don't know if he's ever had a fight in his life. I don't know. I really don't. Maybe he's a maybe he was a killer in junior hockey. I don't know. I don't think so because otherwise that would have translated by now somewhere. Barbie's a you know gritty player. Well. Where I'm going with this is, is if you watch this play the doubt, like, and to your point, I think if we play them again, which we will at some juncture, and heck, possibly in a playoff series, and then that would be real interesting. But you're going to see who it is. It's going to, or it could be a combination of guys and things like that. But what we would essentially do is, after watching that game, you're going to go, okay, who do you think was the difference maker when it came to being a pest that game? So then we'll throw it out there to the, we'll throw it out there to you guys. We're going to let you guys say we'll throw a poll out there. You guys can decide. There'll be a difference maker, I'm sure. Might be Patty Maroon. Might be Robert Bortuzzo. Could be well, Joel Edmondson. That's the thing is, I think it's, you know, in my opinion, you have two defensemen in your lineup that can play that way. Right. And it's Bortuzzo and Edmondson. Now, I don't mean to fight him and do all that, but right. 
get in his face, be the guy. Like we have to have some physical engagement with this guy or his line mates in order to get him away from scoring goals. Right. And that's the best way to do it is to go after him. And then, you know, some guys can just shield that off and be like, yeah, I get it. I know what you're up to. But then when you go after Radulov or you go after Tyler Sagan on his line repeatedly, he's almost forced to come in there because his leadership skills are so strong. He internally forces himself to get involved. Yeah, no, I, that's where I'm going. So, And that's what we can do. It'll be our pest of the game. Um, maybe we can get a little pest, like a roach, and, or, and put it on a, on a little do they trophy make a, thing. Do they make then, a Gary Henson bobblehead we could Gary hand out? Henson bobblehead. Well, <laughs> we might. That could be our, yeah. And then so unlike the Panger, it'll be our, 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 our Buckingham Pest, Pest Award winner. And Pest of the you week. You can probably get it to the guy, right, if we give it to him? Maybe I, could, I can absolutely get yeah, it to the guy. We may have to do that. So, 100%. But we want to thank them for coming on, and that's how that's going to roll. You guys can learn more about them at BuckinghamPestControl.com. Uh, give them a call today, 636-274-7400. You can also schedule online. Uh, They take care of everything you might need. And like I said, the guy had a damn skunk in his back of his trunk. So if you've got problems, they're they're the name you can know and trust. Looks like they do it all. Uh, I didn't want to hear any stories about any snakes or anything, but they're out there. You guys know they are, but uh, they'll take care of them. And that's Buckingham Pesco. We look forward to that segment. So on Thursday... We'll come back from Wednesday night's game. We'll throw some stuff out to you guys and let you guys decide who the pest of the game is on Wednesday because we got to get it back on track. The I would say the key here, Jamie, um, would be, okay, we've had a couple of a rough patches, which, I mean, you had to know was going to come. The whole key now would be to shut it off, right? Well, you gotta have you got to stop the bleeding. Sure. Right? In order for our fan base uh, and anybody who's a hockey fan to really think that the Blues – are able to overcome adversity, they have to stop the bleeding now. If they don't, and they go on, you know, heaven forbid, a skid of some kind, then they're going to think that that run we had was just a blip on the radar. It was, you know, an abnormality that we're not really that team, that we're really the team that started the season. And, you know, these players are, are proud guys. And, you know, we haven't addressed a few things on here, which is the obvious injuries. That are out there. You know, we have Braden Shen, who's still out. We have David Perron, who's still out. Carl Gunnarsson, who's still out. Uh, Sammy Blay got recalled. Now he's officially a, an actual recall. He's not emergency basis only. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of factors right now that have gone into the Blues, you know, misery of late. And you know, O'Reilly himself, call, he called himself out the other day and said, I haven't been as good as I can be. I need to be better. I've made mistakes. I need to provide more offense. Our line needs to be better. And guys recognize it. So, look, we we got a big game coming up against a dangerous opponent in Anaheim. Um, it's a, a West Coast trip, so the boys will be able to, you know, get away from all this again. And, and not, like they, not that they don't like being in St. Louis right now because – I can tell you that the fan base is, is really fucking excited right now just from being at Mardi Gras the other day and, and being a part of that parade. People are chanting, let's go blues down the fucking parade. And, you know, so these guys are obviously happy here at home, but, um, you know, they, they have to stop the bleeding in order to prove to the fan base that, you know, they can turn this around quickly. Yeah, I thought the Ryan O'Reilly comments were interesting. Um, you know... I, I think when a guy like that doesn't 
and I'm going to say this. I didn't think it was a Ryan or I think I don't know about like, and I'd love to get your complete thoughts on it. But you know, the Carolina game was. Well, let's do the Carolina game. Let's talk about that because we just really glanced. We didn't do anything. We didn't even talk about it yet. You know, I, you know, you lost. Uh, Was there some goofy stuff that went on that game? Yeah, I mean that. Well, let's just bring out the elephant in the room. Yeah, say it. Say it. I mean, what? I what's he doing? I don't know. Say it. Jake Allen. There you go. Okay. So now the elephant in the room has been talked about, and you're not wrong. But he's played well lately up until that point. Well. Are we back to now? He had played really, really well till the shot, till the wrist shot from the boards, and now we're back. Now, now we're. Oh my God, are we back? The problem that is going on here, and it's unfortunate, but the reality is that he, for whatever reason, cannot provide consistent goaltending. He gave us two and a half games, maybe two games and three, maybe three games, because the one was in overtime. So it is what it is. But, um. Yeah, just that one blunder, right? Like it seems like that one, uh, that one thing that goes off in a game that it just blows up in his face. And you know, like uh, Zdeno Chara said one time, being partnered with a, a another teammate of ours at the time, I won't disclose that guy's name, but he said, you know, in broken English, he goes, "It is like playing with t- ticking bum." And we're like, "What?" He goes, "Ticking bum. You don't know when it's going to go off." <laughs> and all he meant was. At any point, that thing can go off, and it's a disaster. And that's kind of where we're at with Jake. You know, and poor son of a bitch gets caught out of his net the other night, and then he's stumbling back, toe picks, face first, while the guy buries it in an open cage. And at that point, you had to know. Like, I didn't even look at my phone after the game because I'm like, I already know what's going to be going on on Twitter. You know, so this is tough spot for Jake, tough spot for the team. I think we found out that Bennington is not invincible. No. You know, um, but fuck, you know, that the Carolina well, game, that was tough. We've hit a new low, though. I mean, now we now Jake is so – Jake is such a problem now that he, he's at fault even when he doesn't play. I mean, I don't know if you caught a lot of that on Twitter. Yeah, Boy, look at the carryover into this yeah. game. And now they – you know, I, and, and here's the thing. I, I, you lose games for a variety of reasons, and I'm not here to make excuses for anybody, but – that team that played on Sunday, I, they were everybody. Everything was off. Every like all their passes were off. Everything everything just seemed to be a little bit off. It, could that be fatigue? Could it be? I I don't know. I'm not here to make excuses. But what I do know is, I watched that game and you know it. it I just kept watching it and kept and kept going. Man, man, things that we hadn't characteristically seen over that stretch of really good play. Um. Is it possible, Jamie, that the schedule has caught up with them? And would that be realistic? Oh, my God, yeah. And, you know, we, we, we talk about we don't want to use it as an, as an excuse, but it's a reality. And here's what I don't understand is at the start of each year, the general manager, the president, whoever it is, your, your board of governors guy for the league, you're allowed, I think, two or three challenges on your schedule to oppose what the computer has generated for you as a schedule. You have opportunities to say, hey, look, here's a couple of dates we'd like changed because this is not going to fly with us or yada, yada, yada. I just don't know how we ended up with four back-to-back series at this stage of the season. You know, like, I don't know. Maybe there were other ones. And, you know, maybe it was worse. Maybe we had fucking 12 of them this year and Army went to bat and got three changed or whatever it is. 
But we're ending up here. That was one back-to-back. And I believe we have three more back-to-backs before the end of the season. And this team is taxed. Well, what do you expect, though, when you have the schedule the way it has? I mean, well, for a that's while. That's what I'm saying. Look at October. I, we I, had I, like a week and a half where we didn't even play a fucking game. We, we had at one time, we had three and four games in hand on people. I mean, that's just dumb. I don't understand the scheduling. Now, listen, I'm not making, I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just saying it's a reality. I would assume it is it's 100% a reality. Guys are tired. And you got to think, too, Chromes. And, and for anybody listening, you got to think that 11 game run that they went on. As great as it was, and as much as we talked about, oh, they're getting the bounces, it looks like this, it looks like things are going their way, it's extremely hard to keep that going. And it's extremely men- it's mentally exhausting, too, to make sure that you're paying attention to detail and nothing falls apart, everybody's healthy, which, you know, I just touched on again that Braden Shen, Dave Perron, Carl Gunnison are pieces that are out right now. Um, you know, so, yes, it's just taxing on these guys physically, um, mentally, emotionally, all the above. And guess what? There's a whole league of other fucking teams that are trying to play really well at this time of year, too. So we have to be fair here. This is two losses. I'm tired of reading that the world is fucking crumbling under our feet after two losses. Uh, we have a big West Coast swing that legitimately we could take three out of three, but let's just go and say we take two out of three. That's a big road trip. Yeah, I would say, you know, you're in that stretch now where, I mean, all points are precious, right? But you're in that you're on you're in that stretch now where it's okay. Every point matters. Everybody's playing a certain style to get a point and to keep doing and keep holding on. Yeah, it. You know, what was the talk as early as a week ago? Man, look how close we are to Nashville. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, right now, I think you're just going to have to go out every night and just battle for a point, try to get two points, uh, those four-point swings that we talk about, things like that. Um, You know, the other teams feel that same way. We're not the only team approaching everything like that, right? Yeah, 100%. And that's why, look, the Carolina loss stings, but the Dallas one really stings the most because when you're losing to teams in the Eastern Conference at this time of year, yes, those are two points that are pissed away. But at least you're not losing to a divisional opponent where they gain, you know, ground on you. And the, yes, our natural instinct was to be looking at Nashville or whoever's ahead of us and going, "We're just, we're right there, we're right there." And that's the way winners should think: is what's in front of us, not what you know, what's behind us. But the reality of it is, is we've got to be very aware that there are teams that are playing really good hockey right now. You know, the, the Minnesota Wild are playing better all of a sudden. Um, the Dallas Stars are playing well. The Arizona Coyotes are playing well right now, seven in a row for them. So we got to be cognizant that there are other teams that are probably just as hungry as we are right now. So if we have to up our game or get shit back together, got to do whatever it takes. But fuck, it would be nice to get a guy back off IR soon. Yeah, that's. I was gonna say, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this show. Um, you know, we know. You know who a lot of them are. They they, they do a great job of staying uh, staying in contact with us and through private messages. Speaking of that, a real quick shout out at Crash STL is a good friend of mine, both in baseball and hockey. He wanted us to give a huge shout out to Ray Bauer at Axis Physical Therapy in Festus, who listens religiously um, and uh, is is a big fan of the Blues, big fan of the show. So I told him that I would do that. So uh, great guy. And wanted to do that. So a special shout out to him. But for all the people out there that are listening, and hang on, 
sometimes your every word, which is amazing to me, by the way. <laughs> At um, least somebody yeah, does. Is there anything you can give anybody to make them think that we are going to see anybody back here soon? And I hate to say, and listen, you know, I, the, let's face it. Shen's the guy, the number one guy, and I Param would be number two. Is there any reason to believe we're going to get him back here anytime soon? Um, unfortunately, I think right now the success of the team is going to have to lie on the guys that are in the lineup. So you can read into that what you want. Uh, I do know that those two players, Shen and Perron, are working diligently to try and get back. Both of them are extremely frustrated. David Perron is really frustrated. He really wants to get back in. Let's, you know, people always say, oh, well, you know, Shen, I understand. Shen is a heart and soul type player, but you can't forget that David Perron is still on a 13-game scoring streak, you know, and he was playing really well. And sure. at one time, we were talking about O'Reilly and Perron. If only the guys could put numbers up sure. like O'Reilly and Perron. You know, they're so good together, yada, yada, yada. So getting him back would be a huge boost and probably a stress relief on some of the scoring that's in the lineup right now. But yes, Braden Shen is a heart and soul type player. You know, he's a guy that's gonna he's much like a Jamie Ben. Okay, let's just say it. He is. He's much like a Jamie Ben. Uh don't go compare numbers from fucking, you know, hockey D B and shit. I don't care about that. I'm talking about attitude, effort, physicality, willing to do what it takes for his team. Uh and we miss. We miss both of those guys. David's a, a talented puck handler who does great things with the puck. And Braden Shen is an opposite kind of guy, not opposite, a different personality. He's a guy that gets after it physically and does whatever it takes to win. So guess what? You put those two guys in the lineup, your team is obviously a lot fucking better. Well, um, <coughs> I would say, I, any, like I, you're right. Either one of them back would help. I guess probably the most, you know, you remember what you remember most recent, right? And there's no doubt that, Shen jumping up on that line with O'Reilly and Tarasenko made a difference, and there's been a difference since he hasn't been there. Um, that, to me, and Jamie, i got to ask you, we've talked about it a little bit on the show. We haven't went full deep in it. And fans are, like, they love this guy. They've, they've loved this guy. I already know you're going. Keep but going. i got to tell you, man, I, I, wh I what – and I mean this. What the <laughs> hell is Jaden Schwartz doing? And I uh, now let me say this: we we get texts, we get everything. I'm not the expert here. You are. He does shit in a game that I shake my head at at least five times a game. I I've never seen a guy, and I mean this. I it happens multiple times a game. I don't know how a guy takes a scoring chance and turns it into nothing, but he does it multiple times a game. You know what I'm talking about. I know. I He's mean, been in close, in tight, and t -t 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 a couple of little quick stick moves. And the next thing you know, we're taking it back out to the boards. Or we're losing it on a poke check. Or we're making a pass that it's such a it's it's such a dumb pass the guy that's getting it isn't even ready for. I I I, I and this guy was like uh, the 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 cog that had us going. I know. Well all right, so what you're seeing right now is a direct result of a lot of things and uh Jaden Schwartz has not helped himself in some areas because if you listen to Craig Berube if you watch the games if you watch any other media outlets who cover our games in any capacity he's not penetrating the middle of the ice and um, you know he's not driving to the net and also he's not putting pucks to the net 
sometimes when he could. And so that has caused him to go into this funk. Now that he's in this funk, so to say, um, now he's doubting himself even more. So now when he has an opportunity to score or an opportunity to take the shot or an opportunity to go to the net, he's doubting those instincts now because he's not sure that he should be the guy that has the puck. He's looking to distribute it because he hasn't had a lot of success scoring goals. So he's taking himself out of these great opportunities, uh, not on purpose, but subliminally in his own mind, he's creating this trust. So it's just a really bad circle that he's stuck in right now where he's not getting the opportunities, and because he's not getting those opportunities or he's not finishing those opportunities, now he's looking for the bigger, better thing, and the bigger, better thing is biting him in the ass and is headed back towards our net. So I don't know. If I'm a coaching staff, I guess I try to pound it home with a fucking sledgehammer that every time you cross that blue line, I want you to put pucks towards the net. Physically, either drive to the net with it or shoot the puck towards the net. But he, we got to change this this little pattern that he's in. I was going to say, so if you're, if you're the chief, if you're Craig Berube, you guys basically took a lost season and did something amazing and turned it around, right? It's easy, I think, sometimes. It's easy, I think, sometimes for fans to uh, either feel like they have all the answers, or it's easy for us to jump up or down on the bandwagon, um, as we've noticed, right? <laughs> but if you're the chief, how do, or, or whoever you are in this instance, that is the leader, the the guy that sets the example, the guy that's taxed with 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 being the coach, things like that. How do you handle this? I mean. You know, is there some tough love here? Is there, I'm going to say, I'm going to take a stab and say, you handle it with reality. And you say, look, guys, I, what we did was great. But now we're, these games, that was yesterday. It doesn't give us, now we just can't say fuck it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, is there any other way? No, well, look, if you listen to Craig Berube and his press conferences, which uh, you should earn a medal for that anyways, because they are fucking painful a lot of times to watch. And, I don't mean that disrespectfully to Chief. He just he's very he's very Bill Belichick like when it comes to his press conferences. Few words, you know, really doesn't dive into players and details. But uh, he has said several times, even when they were winning game after game after game after game, well, we did a lot of things right. You know, we have to look forward to the next game. Now we have to continue to do things right. He wasn't willing to, uh, you know, celebrate these wins. He was already focused on the next game and basically the way they had to play to continue their success. Well, guess what? The message is going to be the same when they're losing. Okay, yes, we take what we need out of that game, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is, let's address it. Now, tomorrow morning, we're focusing on changing those things in a positive way and we're headed towards our next opponent. And that's the only way you can do it. You know, there, No matter what right now, they have put themselves into third place in the division, which we never thought would fucking happen. Right. We never thought they'd get near the playoffs. You know, like realistically, yes, we wanted them to, and yes, we said, oh, yeah, they'll make the playoffs. But let's be honest here. They've put themselves right in the discussion now. They've put themselves in a discussion where fucking Nashville probably doesn't want to play them first round. I wouldn't think so. Right? So, 
they're a kind, they're the type of team I don't know that anybody wants to play. No, you don't, right? I because mean, you don't know you right. literally yeah, like Forrest Gump says, yeah. never know what you're gonna get, right? Yeah, Box no. of chocolates. Yeah, and no. that's the blues right now. So if I'm Craig Berube, I'm isolating one or two things that we need to change. Uh, instead of pointing out the problems, I'm gonna point out the solutions and then we're focused on Anaheim, which are our next game, and then our opponents after that. Like we're not jumping too far ahead and we're not dwelling in the past. Well, I. That's where I'm at, Jim. Well, God we're going to. Damn it. I mean, you could sit here and overanalyze this thing to death. The bottom line is each. Each. Um, each game is as equally important to everybody. I know that we only concern ourselves with us. I know that we're the. As fans, we're the only team that gets screwed by the refs every night. I mean, I, you know, I, it's just. But um, but hey, before we move on, and I know we've you know we don't want to beat the dead horse. I know you got some fun sure stuff do. to talk about too. Um, but the last thing I want to talk about on what has happened is you gotta. I've never ever in my life seen. Now I'm sure it's happened. Fans would say it's it's happened. A delayed penalty that after the fact was decided it's not a penalty, and we all saw it happen. Now. When things like this happen, people start trying to figure out how could something like that happen. And the general consensus was, and to my knowledge, this rule didn't change. I always used to think that the odd part of high sticking was they took it completely out of the referee's hands as far as um, uh, why it happened. And they just said, you know what, we're not going to let referees decide anymore. Well, he meant it. He didn't mean it. It was on the phone. They just said, look, you're responsible for your stick no matter what happens. In any instance, if you hit somebody up high with it, regardless of why it happens. I've seen guys get high-sticking penalties because somebody raised their stick up and it got out of control and it hit somebody. Yeah. And that used to be the big one Yeah, that people used to freak out about. They're like, wait a minute, somebody lifted his stick and it – well, you're responsible for your stick. So then fast forward from those days to when that got going till now and we see a follow-through on like a clearing attempt or whatever and it pops our guy, penalty afterwards – is this possible that a ref said we didn't think it? No, the, here's where because it the, the yeah. rule has not changed, right? Like people were like, "Well, it was on the." F they changed it on if it's on the follow through of a shot, it's not a high stick. That's not correct. No, that is correct. They did change it. They did change the okay. Uh, they did change the language. Let's say because you know you got to talk like lawyers when sure, we're talking sure. about things like this. But yeah, the language in it now states that if a player is in a follow through for a shot or a pass that the referee has to use his discretion on that. And the reason they did that is because it got to a point, Chromes, where guys would come down the wing and rip a slap shot, and their follow-through would maybe clip a guy up high, and they scored on the goal. So they get a goal and a penalty in the same fucking moment. Right. And it, they're like, well, how is that even possible? Kind of stupid, right? right? So they have kind of put it into the referee's hands, which, of course, you know, we've talked about multiple times on this show how dangerous that is these days because of all the slow-mo replay, this, that, the other. All we're doing is second-guessing the refs no matter what, and then when they put them in decision in their hands, just like you were angry right now, you know, you're like, how does that happen? So, yes, the call has changed. The rule has changed, but this is where they fucked it up, okay, is once you have your arm up for a penalty, it's not like football where you throw a flag, pick it up, and you pick it up, and no, oh, there was no infraction. on. He can't do it. The reason you can't do it is because you have a team that pulls their goalie, gets an extra attacker. So what happens then now, 
The Blues go, and I've seen this happen. The Blues go down the offensive zone. O'Reilly, let's say, example, goes to pass one through the slot to Petrangelo. He misses it, goes all the way down into the Blues net for a goal. That's what I was going to ask you. So I assume it'd be no goal. It would be no goal. Or, but would it be? Because there's no penalty on the play. See how fucked up that is? It, they would. Uh, now, Liz, now, I'm not. We've seen some goofy shit happen. But, so I, I want to say that I would assume that the referees would get together and go, hey, look. I, but would they? I, there, but you here, you don't know. But that's right. So we've created another gray area by them being able to pick up the flag, okay, for lack of better words. They had to stick to that call, even if it's wrong. Even if it is a follow through, they got to get together and say, well, listen. I lifted my arm. It's no different than if I would have seen a tripping penalty and I called it, but then on the replay I look later and see that the guy tripped over his own fucking feet and fell. Oh, well, it is what it is, right? I called the penalty. There's no take backs in hockey. There should not be. And so then this high-sticking penalty, they had to call it. The reason they had to call it is because of the things that happened after that event is if the puck goes all the way down into their net by accident, do they call it a goal? Because the penalty was never supposed to happen. So if we're declining the penalty, that means that the Blues just pulled their goalie for the hell of it, and that's a goal then. See how fucked up it gets? Yeah. So in my opinion, the right call was made ultimately based on the rule, but in the moment, just like all those other calls that we've over the years have been like, oh, that was a bad call, he missed it totally, this was a missed call that unfortunately just ended up being a shit sandwich for the opposition is what it should have been. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of those ones that if the situation was reversed, you know, the Blues fans would have been like, yeah, they got it right. Of course they got it wrong. You know, the whole, you know, Panger, I guess, saying he heard him skate by because somebody had said, what? what? What's And, hey, the big game. We know it's a big game. We're going to get the call right. A lot of fans took issue with that. Why? I mean – it is a big game. They want to get the call right. If you're telling me ultimately, Jamie, that the rule is different than I knew it to the be. The rule is different, yes. Okay, well then, I listen. The problem just, is when the referee's arm goes up, you have to follow through with that penalty. Well, that and that's what I wonder. I, I, you know, if, 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 he, if they screwed that part up, then fine. But again, we're back to everything happens so fast. Yeah. And how are you going to do that? So if it's allowed to be able to go back and look at something and talk to somebody about it. I, see, this is why I don't like any of that stuff. Just right or wrong, fucked up or not, just call the damn game and we'll live yeah. with the human element of it. The only thing I see that they could have gotten together on to change is if he was calling a five-minute or a four-minute high-sticking penalty. I understand those. Then the ref can come in and yeah. say, hey, look, it, you know what? Uh, and those penalties are set up that way. It's going to have to just be a two-minute penalty sure. because – you know, and really, this is the way it went. So, okay, yeah. But once the referee's arm goes up, no matter what happens, no matter if he's right, wrong, whatever, the call has to stand. Uh, sure. It's just the the proverbial shit sandwich that you deal with if yeah. you're on the ice playing hockey. So, um, yeah, I, there's all kinds of things like this. I know um, – uh, we're going to get into... Uh, uh, well, I have a few shit sandwiches yeah, on my list we're gonna over get here league-wide. Before we do, though, I want to remind everybody, check us out at bluesnhlpodcast.com. You can now um, register for our contest gonna, at, at Mineral Arena on March 21st. Uh, we've got some different ways for you guys to uh, receive more entries. Obviously, uh, we're looking for you guys to get down to Adam's Smokehouse this week. 
shoot some some pictures of you eating, send them to us. Uh, that gets you guys registered. There's also other ways you guys can do it through our website. Get on there, click the banner uh, for our Mineral Arena, join us live. You guys can do that as well. You guys are starting to see that on Twitter. You're, you're, you, know, you just click on the contest. Walks you through. There's all types of ways that you guys can enter and things that you can do. Um, after, uh, after doing so, you guys can continue to do it as well. You can continue to share on Twitter. You can continue to share on Facebook because every time somebody clicks your post, then they can, and if they register, you get more entries for referrals. So lots of different ways for you guys to do so. Following us on social media, at STL Blues Podcast on Twitter is one way for you to get points. Following us on Facebook, uh, Blues NHL Podcast is another way to get points. Instagram, Blues NHL Podcast. All ways for you guys to get uh, points for this contest. Uh, I'm hoping our friend Randy Green will be there to join us for, uh, for our uh, day at Mineral Arena. Innovativecompanies.com, construction. Heating and cooling, the electric team already at your disposal, whether it's residential, commercial, industrial, uh, Randy's got you covered. And, again, uh, we're looking forward to him hopefully being there with us to enjoy some Adam Smokehouse who's bringing the contest to us. I'm ready for some barbecue, and I know you, uh, they know, Jamie, to bring extra brisket. They, they better. Already, I'm telling you that you know, much. But um, all of our fans, everybody that will be there, um, I know you're working on the guest list yes. as we speak. I'm Hopefully assuming. have that finalized by Thursday where I can just say, hey, this is who we're having, and that way their people know what they're getting. And I'm sure these knuckle-draggers like barbecue. Who doesn't, right? All those knuckle-draggers. like barbecue. Absolutely. So that's our friends Adam Smokehouse on Watson Road, folks. Don't forget, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays open till 7. They do deliver to certain zip codes. They are always available for catering. And, of course, the box lunches, people are taking more advantage of those for events and things. So um, we're excited about that contest. Um, Jamie, I'm going to go right into it. We got a, a listener that wanted us to address, Uh-oh. um, uh, uh, I guess in his opinion, something that this is one of those things I'm talking about. I, the Hathaway ejected for intent to injure. He's about to get run by Cunning. Luke Cunning, St. Louis boy. Luke Cunning's about to hit him. He sees him. He pulls up. And as he goes by him, he just puts his hands on his back to swat him out of the way. Now. It wound up not working out too good for Cunning because he went down and hit his face, head on the boards or whatever. Yeah. People are seeing a frame-by-frame slow-motion instant replay, and my assumption is is they believe that this gentleman dodged this hit, reached out, grabbed him, and in WWE style, threw him into the turnbuckle face first. He did. I. Okay, so here's what happens. I, okay? I don't, I've I, been I, in this situation I don't even know how many times where uh, it's a cheap fucking play. By Hathaway, because he sees that guy coming. Now, is he fully intending on pulling his head and smashing it down into the dash of the boards and injuring him? No, I don't think he's able to think of all that fast enough in the moment to have executed this villainous thing on purpose. Now, if he's along the wall and there's glass there, yeah, I've even done that where you jump out of the way and you're like, fuck you, and you smash this guy into the glass, okay? And, yeah, it's WWE style, you know, head in the turnbuckle. But you're not really trying to smash that guy's head into the boards. You're trying to just make him miss, you know, and be an idiot. Uh, but this is a bad play. It's This is much like if you go to hit a guy and he sees you at the last second and just die, go jumps down on his knees and fucking breaks your legs because, you know, it, he goes low, submarines you, you go over him face first into the boards and all. It's just a cheap play. Over the years, this play, this turnbuckle-style play has been done by several players, 
And never once have I ever thought that it wasn't on purpose to do it. And it, I don't mean it's purposeful to smash his head off of that, but you're doing it absolutely on purpose to throw him through so he runs into the boards because you don't want to get hit by him and you're pissed off and you're like, fuck it. And Hathaway's that kind of player. If you look at his resume, you look at his track record, he's that kind of player. He's a, I don't say dirty, but he's a dirty little player. He's not afraid to hit a guy from behind. He's not afraid to elevate into someone's head on a hit. He's not afraid to cheap shot a guy with a stick. So, unfortunately, it's not like Luke Cunningham was going to hit uh, Johnny Gaudreau. And Johnny Gaudreau jumps out and does it, and then that happens. If that happens, you're like, okay, Johnny Gaudreau's probably not doing that on purpose. It just it is what it is. But when you look at you know Garnet Hathaway, who's a little shit disturber out there the whole time anyways, he's doing it on purpose, probably not with the intent of ending up with the result that came out of it, but still doing it on purpose to get out of the way and fucking kind of give it to that guy a little bit. And unfortunately, it's Luke Conan who's – one of our boys from St. Louis sure. who's you know been on a really good tear here lately, too. Now, here's what I will say. It happened, so you're going to you, – should you pay a price? Sure. I, I mean, do I th- – I, I don't know. I guess I don't look at these things as malicious as everybody else. I just think things happen within the course of a game and you move on. Everybody wants to make all this stuff, like, like premeditated. You know, and it happens so fast. And there is, and here's the problem. Here's what my issue is with everybody on all these hits. Okay? People are taking issue with McEachern the other night, fucking dropping his gloves. And was it a bad penalty? I don't, listen, this is a physical game, and it's mean and nasty. And if you don't want to be mean and nasty, you can't play. I, that's how I feel. And anybody that thinks... No, oh, but there has to be some kind of retribution for that, right? If the... Like, here's what the... In a, in a great little documentary if you haven't seen it everybody it's called ice guardians okay and in that documentary tough guys are obviously profiled in that they say and there's a referee a former nhl ref that's on there and he talks about it he goes if the players don't feel like the referees are going to protect them then the players have to take it upon themselves to protect each other and it's a great thing to say because if the referee's not going to jump in there and penalize Hathaway or the league's not going to suspend them this net the other well then the players have to defend each other but then the league's upset about that right so this is a really shitty spot to put the players in is what it is I mean the hit is what it is we can go back and forth all fucking day long on why we think it's okay why we think it's not dirty clean but the league has put themselves into a bad spot because they're not protecting every player on every play. So then they're, let it, they're leaving it in the hands of the players to protect themselves, but then they're saying don't protect yourselves. So what do you do? Yeah, I... So it's a, it's a fucked up situation. Sure. And, you know, that's where they have to figure it out. Ultimately, it's another one of those gray area things, and Luke Cunning pays for it because, you know, he's playing the game hard, and Hathaway's a little shit, and he sees him and gives him a little turnbuckle action and it ends up being worse than it should have been or could have been. But then what happened to Hathaway? What happened? Yeah. I, nothing. nothing. Like, so that's where it gets shitty is now you end up with a one-sided thing and that's never fair for it to just be a one-way street in any of these situations. So anyway, I thought he did it on purpose. <clears throat> I don't think he meant to Slam his face into the dashboard. I think that's just a result of what happened. And that's how I look at it. Bad play. So guess what? Listen, 
all kinds of bad plays result in penalties, so pay the penalty yeah. in whatever that is. But there should have been I, something I, there. Even if they want to suspend them after the fact, you do have to still be responsible sure. for what you do. No different than your stick, right? Like 100%. we've come to accept that too. So I, I don't have an issue with, with penalties for these things. I just don't buy them. Uh, people want to, and is, God, I hate I hate using that word malicious because to some degree it is. I mean, you, you play that way. Well, I mean, it's, it's a, a physical game. Yeah. When's the last time that you've seen a football player uh, at the line of scrimmage? Two-hand touch a guy and say, that'll do it. Yeah, they, they, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that goes on in the game. And hockey's a physical sport. Rugby, Australian rules, football. Like, these are violent sports. Lacrosse is a violent sport. It is what it is. Anytime you have body contact of any nature and you throw a scoreboard out there to keep track of who's going to win and who's going to lose, guess what? It's going to get physical. Yeah, and I I have no issue with it. I mean, I, I know sometimes it works for you. Sometimes it works against you. You know, contrary to popular belief, folks, we have had Blues players that have done oh yeah plenty of things to other opponent players, and, you know, it was, for lack of a better description, awesome. Yeah, well, it's just amazing how Jeff you Jeff Cortnell blasting Jeremy Roenick was awesome. Jeff Cortnell, he's got a long list of things. You know, and he, yeah, so uh, th- there's plenty to go there's around. There's plenty. So it I, is, I, always, I yeah. always come back to, though, I fault the referee in the league uh, because if they're not going, if they've chosen, which they have, to not let the players police themselves or police the game, then they have to do it properly. And if they choose not to do it properly, it's irresponsible. So then, so let me, last question on this topic. So is the instigator penalty stupid? Well, it it is. I mean, listen, the instigator rule was put in originally to eliminate you and I standing at a face-off, and you're kind of unsuspecting or in the middle of a play unsuspecting, and you had done something earlier in the game or whatever. It was there initially to stop me from just skating over to you, dropping my gloves and beating the piss out of you when you're kind of unsuspecting, right? So if you're not engaging me physically back or willing to fight me back, it didn't matter. You should skate over, drop your mitts, grab a guy and pummel him until he went to the ice and you kept going until the linesman could peel you off the guy. I mean, that was the mentality. So they put the instigator rule in there to, to, I guess, you know, even the odds uh, of the fight where you actually have to fight a guy who's willing to fight and knows you're going to fight um, and, and to penalize the guy who's just going to go out there and be a meathead. So they put that in there, but now it's gone to an extreme to where it's two and a 10. And so you lose a guy. If you go two, five, 10, that's a whole period of hockey, 17 minutes of hockey you lose for a guy. And now we know teams aren't carrying a tough guy, right? So for a while it was okay because you still had a tough guy. And you're like, Oh fuck. He only plays four minutes a game anyways. So if he's in the box for 17 minutes, we don't really care. But yeah. now if you got a guy that's going out sure. there, he's in your rotation. Yeah. So now you lose a player for 17 minutes. So I don't know. It's um, The instigator rule was in there to prevent uh, cheap plays in order for guys to get the shit kicked out of them by guys who just came out there. You know, but now, you know, is it hindering the game? I don't know. Like I could, We could go on for hours about that. My thought, and I think this is the ultimate, this is it on it, is the referees in the league are put there to protect the players. If they're not doing so and they're not willing to let the players protect themselves, we have a problem. Correct. And so now that has to be identified. All right, what else you got for us? Well, I'm still saying in the referee league kind of stuff, 
Did you happen to catch the Linus Olmark uh, spear in the nuts to Mitch Marner? No, I didn't. Okay, well, Linus Olmark, goalie, uh, and, you know, Mitch Marner's a star player for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he's standing in front of the net, and the goalie jams his stick up between Marner's legs and spears him in the nuts, and nothing came of it. The referee is literally standing two feet away from the play and sees Marner go down uh, or bend over in pain and, you know, no call on the play. Now, I do fault once again. The goalie is right there with the defenseman and the referee and Marner standing there. For years, the goalie has hacked and whacked guys in the back of the legs, the shins, or the, the, the calves, the heels, all that stuff, and they've done that for years, hit a guy in the nuts little ball tap to get him out of the crease, right? But, and here's the big but, the game has changed. So once again, if the referees won't protect the players, which is Marner in this one, like, guy hits you in the nuts. If that's a player that spears him in the nuts, Marner can turn around and fight him, okay? Goalie hits you in the nuts. Now for a player to turn around and fight the goalie, it's taboo, right? Because then all hell will break loose. And Mitch Marner's not that kind of player. So it puts him in a really bad spot. I don't know. I'm I'm just not happy with the way things are trending on the types of plays like that. You know, it hits him in the nuts. It is what it is. Should you expect to get a little bit of something in front of the net? Maybe. But those days are kind of gone. You don't see guys reaming on each other with cross checks anymore. And so the goalie gives him up, rides his stick up, and gives him a whack in the balls with his stick. He's got to get a penalty for that. Yeah, I – Sure. I, there's usually a, it's a reaction to something else, and maybe I, I would ask you this question. Well, it's Mitch Marner. It's sure. not like Marner did sure. anything physical to anybody. Well, you know what I mean. But, but I would ask you this, Jamie. You, I think some of the fun things we hear are the when the referees are talking to the players, and I see things. Would you say typically referees are in tune enough with what's going on in the game that they allow things if there has been if it's in a well, hey, you know. What do you expect the guy to do? Is there a little bit of that? There used to be. You know, I don't know anymore because they they needed young referees so bad that they've fast-forwarded some of these guys through leagues that they shouldn't have even gone through. And we got NHL referees now that are in place that shouldn't be there. And I don't know where the rule changed to where referees, you know, won't deal with the players and won't have a relationship with the players. I don't know when that transition actually happened. But I can say that when we played in, in my era, my time, and even up to my retirement, which was into the, you know, the 2010 range, referees were still talking to players. And, yes, you know, they would skate by and let you know, I let you away with that one. I saw, yeah. I, I saw his elbow in the first, okay, so I gave you that two-handed whack. Now it's even. Next guy who does something's getting one. And, yeah, there was communication, but – the old school ref would have never let a guy get speared in the balls. Yeah. But now the old school game would have had that player turn around and fucking go after the goalie. Yeah, I can't imagine why that would be allowed. I, so. don't, I don't. And the referee's standing right there. So if anybody, you know, goes on Twitter, just punch in Mitch Marner and you click on that and you scroll down a bit and you'll see the goalie hit him right in the nuts with his stick. And then you guys can tweet us on, on that and let us know what you think of the play. I think it's a bullshit play just because a goalie's deemed as an untouchable player, so what the hell is Marner supposed to do after it happens, you know? Puts him in a bad spot. 
Uh, speaking of bad spots, though. Uh-oh. Speaking of bad spots. Two two subjects that fall under bad spots. Uh, the first one is the Ottawa Senators. I hate to say that they're a bad spot, but, I mean, that's my hometown team. I played there. And holy fuck, Chromes. They traded away all their best players. They obviously had that scandal in the summertime with Carlson and Hoffman's fiancés, death threats or yeah. fucking shit like that. You know, that, that one, they'd get rid of both players. And they had another situation that didn't see a lot of light of day, but where Cody Cece accidentally lit another guy's teammates, or another teammate's fiance on fire <laughs> in his backyard. Some wild shit going on around here. Yeah, and then they've got the Uber drive, that whole yeah. thing. And now they've got, you know, their owner, Eugene Melnick, can't close a fucking deal to get their rink. The brand new rink made downtown, which they desperately need in order to attract their fan base and to continue growing that team. Then they trade away every fucking good player they have. And then on Thursday morning, Pierre Dorian, their general manager, tells the media, hey, look, Guy Boucher is our head coach. Uh, you know, we're going to evaluate Guy and his staff at the end of the season and we'll figure out what we're going to do moving forward. Not even 24 hours later, he fires Guy Boucher. <laughs> like, how more fucked up can it possibly get in Ottawa? Like, really, can you imagine that happening here in Blues Nation? Like, Army goes, hey, so-and-so is safe on Thursday morning. I've traded away all our good players. So-and-so is safe. Then going on Friday morning saying he's fired. And we're not happy with the way the team's playing was part of it. You're, you're, you just traded away every guy you had. <laughs> That's the question. How do you get upset? What do you want? And there's 18 can- games left. Why would you Why would you upset the apple cart? Yeah, maybe he's a shitty coach, okay? Maybe he is. Maybe the players don't like him. At the end of the day, there's 18 games left. What the hell are Isn't you Isn't this doing? just survival at this point to the end of the season? And I then just, it's, it'd be just a complete free-for-all? If they knew they weren't going to keep him, let him ride it out. And then you know what you're doing. It gives you just all this time to plan ahead and whatnot. But it looks really bad when you trade away every single player this guy had that's worth a shit as far as a veteran guy. Because I do think they have a lot of really valuable young players on the team and in the organization. But they weren't the top three scorers. So it's just a fucked up situation. And it really hits home for me because that's my hometown. And what sucks about it is everybody's talking about the dumpster fire that Ottawa is because it's a horrible organization. That organization was fucking unbelievable when I played there. The ownership was good. Marshall Johnston was our GM. It's a blast from the past. Peter Shirelli was assistant GM. Jacques Martin was the head coach. That organization was on lockdown, man. Like, it was awesome to be there. And so to see where it is now and to see the shitstorm that's going on, it's tough to stomach, but, I mean, uh, they've got to figure it out sooner than later. Uh, and their fan base is, you know, awesome, and, and they need to reward those fans a little bit. Um, staying on fan base, though, I have to talk about this. John Tavares going back oh to my God. the New York Islanders, going back to Long Island, Nassau Coliseum. Before I go on what I would think about it, did you see any of that? Did you watch? Yeah, I. You know, and I what think, do you think? Well, I, listen, I, um, I didn't play in the league. I'm not from New York. I didn't play for one, not the other. But I thought our boy Avery handled it well. 
I well, mean, I don't know if you're a Sean Islanders, right? and I don't so, know if you're a Sean Avery fan or not. But I mean, now well, listen, I here, let me say this. I think it was okay that the Islanders fans wanted to have a little fun with it. Did they take it too far? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, did he deserve a tribute video and all that kind of stuff? I'm sure. hundred percent. Hundred percent. He deserved. Hundred percent. Did he deserve respect? Sure. Did he deserve some booze because he left? Yeah, that's the nature of the beast. You had. Those boos should come from people that were fans and loved you and wanted you to stay there. And they, that's what they should be, is showing discontent. You know? Yeah. I, I don't know. Listen, I'm okay with 98% of what went on that night because I played for the, the New York Islanders, and there were some really tough times there. Really tough times. You know, they went through a guy, uh, Spano, who basically lied about being rich and bought the team and then had no money. And it was, I mean, it's a disaster. If you ever see the 30 for 30 or 60 and 60 there at ESPN, those ones, if you check out Spano, it's a disaster what happened there. So they went through all that. They've had through, you know, problems, um, you know, with success of the team. Now they got arena problems. They're playing out of fucking Brooklyn. They're playing, you know, 20 some games at a Nassau Coliseum, which is an amazing place to play for fans and for players. And then, you know, they're going to play the first round of the playoffs in Nassau Coliseum. After that, they have to shift over to Brooklyn. So I can see how these fans were angry that their number one player in the last their era here, right, like their, their last 10-year segment, left the team. Now, he had every right to leave the team, and everything I just described to you is exactly why he probably did leave the team, Okay. What the fans are mad at is they think that he lied about it, talking about, oh, he wanted to be an Islander, this and that and the other. Well, guess what? I, I'm i sure he got confused because the Islanders, three-quarters of the way through last year, and actually after the season, changed everything, right? Sure. Lou Lamorella was brought in. Garth Snow was removed of his duties. The whole coaching staff was dismissed. They brought in Barry Trotz, Stanley Cup champion for the Washington Capitals. And so – all they're heading in the right direction. We can see this year that obviously it's paying dividends. They're, you know, first or second place, depending on the day of the week in the Metropolitan Division, which nobody expected. But going into that, John Tavares, he doesn't know that. He doesn't have a crystal ball. And all this was literally happening as sure. he became unrestricted. And he didn't just say, screw you, New York. He went through the process, and he had the whole thing in L.A. where he had every team fly in, which I thought was a bit much, a little LeBron James-ish. Sure. I didn't like that. Uh, however, he decided to go with his hometown, Toronto Maple Leafs, the team that he dreamed about playing for years. The offer was right. The number was right. The players on that team are right for him. So he had every right to make that decision. But now the fans have every right to give it to him in return. And you know what? That's what makes it beautiful. Sure. And I actually fucking thought it was hilarious. Like, if I was John Tavares, I would have been laughing on the ice because there was some funny shit that went on. And here yeah. are a few of the things that went on. They threw snakes yep. on the ice, which I don't think anyone should throw shit at players. Yep. Uh, he had a jersey. You know, jerseys being burned all over the parking lot, people sure. driving over the jersey. But to me, the funniest thing was the chance. And for have... You know, 20,000 people in unison chanting, asshole, asshole. That was funny. I would have been laughing. And then, the next, you know, a couple of other ones were, 
where's your jammies? <laughs> you know, I think that's fucking I, hilarious. I, listen, I think that's all good. I and and here's the thing: I would have been upset too, right? Like when you, you have, have a great player and he leaves, and you, I would have been upset too. So I would have been having some fun with it too. But I assure you, when they played the video, I would have stood up and clapped. Well, and they showed people doing that. You know, they did show a good yeah. portion of people standing up and clapping and. Look, the Islanders fan. Hey, you want to play in big markets, man. That's how everybody wants playing a big market. Well, guess what comes with playing in a big market? Oh, yeah. But, so. look, the fans had every right to be upset because, especially Long Island, those Islander fans have suffered a long time since their four cups in a row back in the day. I don't want to hear it. They have. I know, but I don't want to hear it. But I understand. We got our own problems. I'm just speaking <laughs> from know, just... having been there and lived some of this misery with these people. They had every right to be upset that they lost a star player. Any right to be upset at that player? Probably not the player. More, They should be more upset at the way ownership before their current owner was in place, the way they handled things and all their you know things before that with the arenas and all that shit. But anyways, um, I thought it was funny. If I was John Tavares, it wouldn't have bothered me. Uh, I had several things said to me and done to me in my career that I always thought was funny. Uh, and if I had a whole building of fucking people being mad at me, I'd have been like, this is awesome. At least they're not focused on anything else. They're focused on me. And uh, so I thought, all in all, there's pros and cons to what happened there. Um, but I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was fun. I'd have been laughing. Yeah. Um, I, I would have went. It would have been fine with me either way. I, I think the whole thing. It, it, it's probably something that got out of hand and just from there went on. But you know what? Uh, he got his love when he went back home and played his next game. In yeah, Toronto, they gave him so. a standing ovation, and they went overboard that way too, which is great. I mean, that's the way it should be. Uh, now, moving forward, the next time the Leafs play in Long Island, I'm hoping things calm down. I'm hoping then people just go to the game to watch the game and cheer for the home team and, and not you know berate him anymore. They, they've had their chance. They've had their that one free sucker punch. You know, so, but yeah, fans of Toronto are are passionate people too. And, you know, for a long time, Toronto has been a really tough market for a lot of guys to play in too. So those fans shouldn't go casting judgment on Islander fans when just what, a couple of years ago, they're throwing jerseys on the ice and wearing paper bags in the stand when their team wasn't doing good. So we all have our moments, people. That's for fucking sure. Well, I can tell you that um, we can um – we can, we can debate like the proper way to handle um, athletes and when they leave and just like everybody, everybody, some and especially in this day and age in all sports, everybody deals with it. Everybody deals in their own way. People get mad. They burn jerseys. They get, you know, guys that they adored for five years, ten years, whatever it is, and then all of a sudden they hate them. I, it, it's it's nature. I, I would assume, you know, athletes have to understand that, and if they don't then I don't know what to tell them. Um, I know before we get out of here, as we're running out of time, I know I notice a familiar name that you've got written down there, um, a gentleman that you know that, that passed away that I'm sure you want to talk about. Yeah, Ted Lindsay. Terrible Ted Lindsay. Um, look, at he he's a guy who had an incredible hockey career. His numbers retired in Detroit with the Red Wings. Uh, but the biggest thing that people have to remember is that Ted Lindsay literally – almost sacrificed his entire hockey career in order to create the players union uh, within the league, the NHLPA, and in order to try and get it right so that these players were paid accordingly. 
you know, back then it was all like handshake deals and backroom, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And guys would say they made, you know, owners would come in and not threaten guys, but they would and say, don't you dare tell them that I'm paying you at the time, let's say 80 grand to play for our team. You tell them you're only getting paid 40,000. And so Ted Lindsay and a lot of other guys spearheaded the, the movement for the NHLP. And at the time, without going into a history lesson here, we all know what happened to Jimmy Hoffa, right? You create a union and you get enough people upset at you, you end up missing for the rest of eternity. And so Ted Lindsay put his balls on the line back then. And even he had head-to-head, like butting heads with Gordie Howe, Mr. Hockey, because Gordie Howe was, I don't say he was polluted, because that's not right, because Gordie Howe's a legend. He's an awesome guy, too. Um, but he was under you know, the impression that the owners were doing the right thing. And Ted Lindsay was opposite that. And so what happened, Ted Lindsay got traded from Detroit to other teams. He kind of sort of got buried for a while and, you know, trying to get rid of the problem. And he stood his ground. He never, ever changed his opinion. The NHLPA was formed. The NHLPA has been got, has gotten stronger and stronger and stronger over the years to where they are a full partner of the NHL now. And how the NHL goes depends on how their relationship is with the NHLPA and vice versa. So uh, Ted Lindsay's a legend. And I got to spend a lot of time with Ted when I was in Detroit. This guy would walk in the locker room to go have a sauna, a shower, maybe walk on the treadmill. It was fucking amazing. I mean, you come in there on any given day and you'd have Ted Lindsay in the locker room on a Monday, Gordy Howe in the locker room on a Tuesday, you know, Vladimir Konstantinov, we all know his situation where, you know, he'd come in before games and sit with the guys. And it was just amazing to have yeah. that experience. So Ted Lindsay, on behalf of every player that's ever played in the NHL since you were there, thank you for putting your balls on the line for us and, and trying to make things better for every guy that's coming through. And these young guys who have no idea who you are, they need to read it up on you. And the NHLPA, I hope, is sending out something well-written to describe everything he did so that today's player, today's rookie, can thank him as well. Well, uh, you know, it's sad when we lose people, you know. I mean, it's especially people that were uh, a bit, a part of our life, uh, a part of everyone's life, and do amazing things. And, you know, that's just, you know, as we get older, the people that we looked up to when we were younger are getting older. And it's just – it's a sad thing. But, you know, it's the, they, they – you just hope that they understand how many people's lives they affect and, and how many people they touch. So it's just an amazing thing. I, Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody should be mourning the loss of Ted Lindsay. Yes, we're sorry we missed him, but he would not want it that way. He'd want people to remember the great times, the great hockey. He was always just an old-school guy. You right. know? He'd want people to remember the great game of hockey and the way the players are playing now and how skilled it is and how fast it is and from where it came. Ted Lindsay would want to be celebrated today, not mourned. It's probably why you are who you are, being around people like that, why you do the things you do, especially like the pride you take in Synergy Hockey. Uh, we want to thank SynergyHockeySkills.com for bringing you uh, to our show each and every week. I know you guys got a lot going on right now. Anything, you guys still have a few spots open? Yeah, we got a few spots open. Um, we're probably going to finalize today our uh, St. Louis Blues Youth Hockey Camp. Synergy Hockey is uh, year after year in charge of doing the on-ice instruction uh, for the St. Louis Blues as they continue to grow the sport of hockey here in St. Louis. So we're going to be finalizing those dates probably by the end of today. We'll get them out there on the website, synergyhockeyskills.com. 
you click on summer camps and it'll be on there. It's good. It'll be called Blues Camp or St. Louis Blues uh, Hockey Camp. And, uh, you know, we've released those. People can sign up. And in the last couple of years, we've had a really good uh, turnout of current players. You know, last year we had uh, Chris Thorburn come out and spend some time. We've had Colton Prake. We've had Robbie Fabry. And, uh, you know, talking to some of the guys here recently, it looks like we're going to get a little more participation from some current players to show up and awesome. skate with the kids and hang out. And It's always a fun event. So that's what's coming up for us once again. SynergyHockeySkills.com, summer camps, blues camp, or anything else we have to offer if those don't work out for you. Sign up quick. They are going. Well, between that, the Nelson family, NelsonLandServices.com, the first name in amateur hockey here in St. Louis. We appreciate everything Synergy Hockey Skills does. Um, I, I knew uh, that, that the, the Nelson family wanted to be a part of this. They wanted to be a part of what you and Darren were doing. We appreciate them. Five-star locally rated company that does tremendous work at reasonable prices. That's our friends at NelsonLandServices.com. One last time, I want to encourage everybody to check out BluesNHLPodcast.com. Click on the contest. Uh, we'll be uh, picking out our winners for that on March 14th. You still have time. Pay attention to social media as you guys will see the entry uh, social media post that where you can register as well. Uh, we're looking forward to having a great event with that, and we want to thank one last time Adam Smokehouse located on Watson Road for their continued support of Blues Hockey. Our friend Dennis Minner and his show with Live from Minner Arena is uh, Adam Smokehouse is a part of that. Remember, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays open till 7. Get your box lunches ordered, and of course, if you have any catering needs, they can take care of that for you as well. It's the best barbecue in St. Louis. Here's your cue. That's going to do it for us. And, again, look for our Buckingham Pest Control Pest of the Week after the game Wednesday night. I'm sure uh, what we'll be doing with that is, is uh, the day following the game, Jamie will have time to check out tape. He will send me his uh, choices. His, his, uh, I, I'm assuming what we should do is we'll do three choices and an other. And then if you thought you noticed somebody else, you can just reply to the text with who you would do. Otherwise, you guys can do it yourself. So pay attention to that the morning after a game. We'll do it after every game. Like I said, Jamie will just send me his three choices, and then you guys can decide who you thought was the Buckingham Pest Control Pest of the Game. Uh, we're excited about those guys joining us and being a part of our show. Uh, we had a great time with uh, Noel when he was in here. He Obviously, I don't know about you, Jamie, but it was pretty evident this guy's a big fan, and yeah. they're going to have fun with this. I love their I whole – I want to party with Noel. Yeah, I do too. I, I, we're going to have a good time down at the rink one night with that guy, and I love his thing, you know. We don't kill penalties, just bugs, and then they pass the savings on to you. That's a great thing. That's awesome. Thing. I love it. That's BuckinghamPestControl.com. Check them out. We're excited about having them on. I think I'm going to give him a shout and see if he wants to come back on and officially you know, say thank you to him and, and let him uh, see what he thinks about the little bump in the road. Hopefully we'll get that corrected in Anaheim on Wednesday night. But for all of us here at Blues NHL Podcast, let's go Blues! This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.